The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. When I was a little boy, I was, grew up on a farm, and the closest town was uh, Chester, which was our local community. Uh, it was unincorporated. There were only about 200 people living in Chester, if that many. But the town that really mattered, it seemed, was Madison, which was about 20 miles away. And I always looked forward to going to Madison because I knew I'd get an opportunity to stop at the dime store which is like the West Concord 5 and 10. And in those days, there were clerks in those stores, you know, helping you find your things. And, but I was just fascinated by all the various things that were there. So I remember one particular time we went to Madison. I went to the dime store with my grandmother, and I became very engrossed in all the possibilities. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was completely alone. She was not there, and I was terrified. I could not imagine how I was going to ever get home if I could not find her. I couldn't imagine what would happen to me. And then I think because of one of the clerks realizing that I was clearly distressed, I came and found me and took me to my grandmother. So the loss had been found. <laughs> Well, I tell that story because clearly, you know, we're hearing stories about lostness this morning. But I'd like you also to think about that moment in your life. Perhaps there were more than one. There was more than one moment when you were really lost, when you felt very, very much uh, not knowing where you were going to go, how you were ever going to get out of the situation. Perhaps it was even a dangerous situation. I remember that yet, and I was just a little boy, because I think that's a feeling that we have that is indelible when we've, when we've experienced it. 
Well, we have these stories of lostness in the gospel this morning. And Luke uh, starts chapter 15 of his gospel with, uh, once again, the Pharisees being upset with Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't have to work very hard at it, it seems. They're upset with him a lot because he always just steps over the line. He doesn't seem to understand. And this time they're upset because he is eating with tax collectors and with sinners. Now, it is probably good for us to recall that the Pharisees were people who were trying to lead a religious life. And the way that they're portrayed in the Gospels, uh, we have, I think, often think of them simply as those evil people who were always opposed to Jesus. But in reality, they were lay people who were not under the administration of the temple who were trying to enrich uh, Jewish life as as a faith tradition. So they wanted to see life lived as a good Jew in everyday life as best it could be. And I've often thought if I had lived then, I think I probably would have been more drawn to be like the Pharisees than to be one of the followers of Jesus. But yet, because of the way that the Pharisees have been portrayed, Over the centuries, Christians have, of course, persecuted Jews. And we need to keep that in mind, that there needs to be a balance with this. These were faithful people, the Pharisees. They just simply wanted to live by the law as best they knew how. And they wanted others to also have an experience of that so they, too, could be righteous. Well, Jesus is found eating with Uh, these uh, tax collectors and with the sinners and the Pharisees are upset about it and they grumble and Jesus hears their grumbling and that's when he tells the two parables should mention a couple things as well about the uh, about the tax collectors tax collectors were the ones who would collect the tariffs or the the duty that was due in a community And they really made their money by what they could extort over and above what the tax was. So nobody cared much for tax collectors. And we don't care much for them today either, but a different reason. And the sinners were probably not just any run-of-the-mill person who had backslid or something like that. These were people who had lived a notorious life. Anybody who saw that person knew they were a sinner. And that's why they're called out as sinners in this gospel. So Jesus is uh, eating as table fellowship with people who are seen as completely unrighteous. And the Pharisees are disturbed by it. So Jesus tells these two parables in response to the Pharisees. The first is the parable of the shepherd who has a hundred sheep. Now, that was an enormous number of sheep. Must have been a very wealthy shepherd because most shepherds cared for only five to maybe a dozen sheep. This shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off and was lost. And Jesus says that the shepherd left the ninety nine in the wilderness and went off to find the one. And then he says, when the shepherd finds the sheep, brings it back over his shoulders 
and rejoices. And he invites his neighbors and his friends to come and rejoice with him because the one that was lost has been found. And then in the second parable, he talks about a woman. And this woman had ten coins, and perhaps they were coins that had holes in them that she wore around her neck on a necklace, and one of them was lost. And he said that she lights the lamp, sweeps the floor, searches diligently. And when she finds the coin, she rejoices. And she invites her neighbors and her friends, and in the Greek, that's feminine, her lady friends. She invites her lady friends to come and celebrate with her because the lost coin has been found. And after telling these two parables, Jesus ends each of them by saying that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner repenting than over ninety-nine righteous. Now, there are a couple of things about these parables that are a bit uh, disturbing, I think. One is that coins can't sin, and neither can sheep, so how do they repent? And another thing, if uh, the shepherd and the woman are images of God, the shepherd in particular is pretty irresponsible. He leaves 99 in the wilderness where they're vulnerable and goes after the one. Whenever we read the parables, hopefully there will always be some things about them that will go unanswered because there are just some things we can't get the answer to. And I think parables especially bring that up in us. We study it and we think about what this means to me. What might it mean to the Christian community? What did it mean then? And there'll still be some unanswered questions. Clearly, these parables are about repentance. Jesus basically says so. But it's obviously about a slightly different understanding of repentance than we usually have. In his book, uh, Finding the Lost, Kenneth Bailey offers a definition of repentance that I think can be helpful in understanding this. He writes, the only possible action in this story which could constitute repentance is the finding of the lost. Repentance, therefore, may be defined as our acceptance of being found. And then he goes on. It's our acceptance of the reality that God has found us in Jesus Christ, and we acknowledge our lostness. Repentance, seen from this perspective, is accepting the grace and the love of God. I think one of the hardest things for us to do in the Christian life is to believe that God could truly love us. I think many of us at various times have said to ourselves, if people really knew me, they wouldn't think I was a very good Christian or they wouldn't think I was a very good person at all. The truth is that God really does know you and God loves you. And not just that, but God forgives all that you have done, that you are ashamed of or that is broken in your life. God wants nothing more than wholeness for your life. And so this idea, I think, of God's action, of God extending love, of God searching for us, of God looking for us when we're lost, it's only limited by our ability 
to accept that we've been found. God has found you. God loves you and forgives you. But I think sometimes we focus too much on personal repentance and personal salvation because I think Jesus is saying something that's perhaps broader than that in these parables. Remember, he's addressing the Pharisees and he seems to acknowledge that they're righteous. So I don't think he has any trouble with the fact that they are trying to to live a righteous life. But what he seems to be pointing to is their incompleteness. Remember that in Scripture, the numbers 9 and 99 are incomplete. The number 10 and the number 100 are complete. So Jesus seems to be saying to the Pharisees, you are incomplete. You're incomplete because the tax collectors and the sinners have not yet joined you. You have rejected them. They have been ostracized. And if you look at Jesus' ministry over and over and over again, he reaches out to the ones that are ostracized. He eats with them and he invites them to become a part of his community. So I think that part of the message of these two parables for us is for the church to always be cognizant of the fact that we are incomplete as long as there are those out there that we might be uncomfortable having here. So this morning I asked myself and I would ask you, who is it in your life who you would not invite to be a part of this fellowship? Who is it that you would be uncomfortable with if they were here? And I think that's what Jesus was trying to point out to the Pharisees, that they needed to open their fellowship. They needed to stop worrying about drawing all those lines and they needed to invite others in. My dear friends, I think that is the good news. The good news is that we have been found. The good news is that we are loved. The good news is that the God we worship will do almost anything in order to find us, to hold us, to comfort us, to bless us. And for that, we give God thanks and praise. Amen. Amen.